Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you today. But before we get there, we definitely need to thank our sponsors. And number one, we have Paleo Valley. If you're looking for a protein-packed snack that's easy to grab on the go, listen up. I recently came across Paleo Valley beef sticks and they've quickly become one of my go-to snacks. These sticks are made from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, so they are the real deal. Unlike many other manufacturers on the market that claim to be grass-fed, Paleo Valley are not secretly finished on grains. Paleo Valley takes pride in sourcing their beef from small domestic farms in the U.S. They also use real organic spices, so there's no more worrying about conventional spices sprayed with pesticides or natural flavors derived from questionable GMO corn. Whether you're following a keto lifestyle or a paleo lifestyle, or if you're just looking for a protein-rich snack, these beef sticks have you covered. To try them for yourself, head to paleovalley.com forward slash Natalie, and that's Natalie with an H, so that's N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E, to save 15% off your order. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about this episode. So whether you're a professional athlete or someone who just wants to maintain muscle mass as you get older, you know, or you should know that mitophagy is a process we need to all be focusing on. Prioritizing strategies that enhance mitophagy and promote muscle health can significantly contribute to a healthier and longer life. But what can we do to promote mitophagy? Luckily, my guest today is an expert in the science of mitochondrial activation. And he's sharing insights on the supplement that you need in your longevity routine. And that's been a part of my routine since the first episode I recorded with him over a year ago. I'm joined today by, again, Dr. Anurag Singh, who is the chief medical officer at Timeline Nutrition. We're diving into the realm of mitochondrial activation and its impact on muscle performance, as well as new research on its impact on your health. We shed light on the role of immunity in a healthy long life focusing on how mitochondrial health can rev up our immune systems and where urolithin A, the active ingredient in MitoPure, comes into play. Dr. Singh also shares his insights on how mitochondrial health can influence, wait for it, skin health and reverse sun damage and the development of topical formulas that can improve mitochondrial health in the skin. This episode is packed with value. So Timeline Nutrition is offering 10% off any order of MitoPure, just go to timelinenutrition.com forward slash NAT10 and use code NAT10 to get 10% off your order. To learn more about Timeline Nutrition, just go to timelinenutrition.com. And to dig into the science of MitoPure, go to mitopure.com. Okay, one more sponsor to thank before we jump into the episode. Berkeley Life. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you probably know what Berkeley Life is. If you're new, listen up. Have you ever heard of nitric oxide? It's a vital molecule that plays an important role in keeping your cardiovascular health in check and regulating blood flow throughout your body. The problem is that as we get older, our production of nitric oxide naturally starts to decline, which can negatively impact the health of our systems because we're ultimately not getting the adequate distribution of blood that we need at a cellular level. I have found a fantastic solution to keep my nitric oxide levels in top shape, and it's called Berkeley Life. I take their two capsule supplement once a day, and that means I'm giving my body the building blocks it needs to create enough nitric oxide to meet my needs. And let me tell you, I notice a definite boost in energy and stamina throughout the day. Plus, all my critical systems like my gut, circulation, and health are benefiting from that improved blood flow. My clients are also using Berkeley Life, and they've noticed great improvements as well. It's never too early to start thinking about supporting and sustaining lifelong health and vitality. Berkeley Life has made it so easy for me, and it can make it just as easy for you as well. If you're interested in giving it a try, you can find Berkeley Life at berkeleylife.com and make sure to use my practitioner code NIDDBL when you register to get 10% off your first order. Now, before we jump into the episode, I do want to take a moment to thank you guys for being here in the first place, to thank you for all the comments and questions that you send to me. I love all of them, and I do my best to respond to every one of you. People are reaching out to me through Instagram, 
through my Facebook group on optimizing superhuman performance. And of course, those who want more of me and more of an intimate connection, let's say, will join my Mighty Networks community called the BSP community. If you want to learn about BSP private membership community, just go to natnidham.com and look for the tab at the top called BSP community. Also on my website, you can learn about my upcoming Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat in the Dominican Republic this November 1st to 6th. If you have any interest in that retreat at all, make sure to check it out on my website and book a free call with me and my co-host, Dasha Maximoff, to get your questions answered. So thank you again for being here. If you're loving the episode and you know someone that would benefit from it, please make sure to share it. If you're feeling inspired, please, please, please leave us a review because that's how we rise up the ranks. And that is ultimately how I'm able to get even more amazing guests for you guys. And now let's jump in. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Dr. Singh, welcome back to the podcast. It is such a pleasure to see you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. I mean, they always are. Our first podcast together, I remember kind of going, oh yeah, you know, mitopure, pomegranate, urolithine. By the end of the hour, I was like, get out of town. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think we've got another big episode. You've got some great new research that's coming out and that you're working on and makes, you know, it's no big surprise. Mitochondria being the star of the show here and having found a compound that can positively impact mitochondria, it's going to have wide ranging benefits. But I think maybe a good place to start for people who are not familiar, as familiar with the subject matter and who didn't get a chance to listen to the first episode. Although guys, I do recommend you listen to the first one because we're not going to go as deep into the background as we did that first time. But maybe Dr. Singh, you could do a, give us a quick recap on the mitochondria and how urolithin A came to be and how it helps. Sure. You know, I'll start with mitochondria. So my- mitochondria are these cellular organelles that are basically the energy factories, right? So think of your, uh, think of the engine in your car that is that basically keeps your car moving. And that's what mitochondria are doing for us. So every time you get up a chair and walk or, or you feel fatigue after a, a run, that's your mitochondrial health that is basically dictating that. And, and, and it's one of the key hallmarks of aging. So as we age, basically these cellular organelles, they accumulate stress signals in the, what we call as oxidative stress and reactive oxygen species. And, and with time, basically, their repair machinery slows down as well. So now, instead of having a, a good pool of healthy mitochondria always giving you the currency of energy, which is ATP, you have a more you know, faulty mitochondria. Uh, and so you need ways uh, in, in sort of through your diet and nutrition to, to improve your mitochondrial health. And so we, we applied the biotech approach to basically screening hundreds and thousands of nutrition and natural compounds to really see which one of them potent at improving mitochondrial health. And we came across uh, one particular compound that was actually uh, not found in foods. Uh, it's the, the, the precursors of which are found in, well, every healthy known fruit and to mankind like pomegranates, berries, and, and walnuts. And, and so the, the, these are precursors called polyphenols. Mm-hmm. And so if you're taking it, your gut microbiome uh, will take these complex compounds and, and release this molecule called urolithin A, and that's the molecule we stumbled upon. Uh, the, the unfortunate part is that not all of us have the right gut microbiome, and neither all of us are eating a, a bowl of nuts and a glass of juice every day. So that's how we came to urolithin A. Yeah. And so from there, all the research has emerged. Yeah. Well, and I would say that very few of us are drinking that juice. I mean, the last time I had a glass of pomegranate juice before I did the trial that you were you used to offer a test where you would drink pomegranate juice and Mm -hmm. then see how much of it you're able to convert into Mm -hmm. urolithin A. And of course, my numbers were dismal. But the last time I drank a glass of pomegranate juice, I was in Jordan (laughs) and it was there was a man sitting in a chair squeezing pomegranates and then it was delicious. But it was probably more sugar than I'd consumed in like the last month. So just drinking the juice, unfortunately, quite apart from, you know, having low conversion rates. And yeah. I would argue most of us don't have an optimal microbiome at this stage of the game. Um, yeah. It yeah. comes with a lot of sugar. So being able to 
get gifted the the end product um, is a beautiful thing. Yeah, and that's basically uh, what we found. We ran trials around the world, in the U.S., Canada, France. The French are probably eating the good uh, balanced diet, uh, you know, closer to the Mediterranean diet that we hear of. We saw about thirty percent. Uh, adult healthy population could convert uh, or had actually circulating levels of this molecule. In the U.S. and Canada, it was more like 10, 12%. So even if they had these, the levels were so low that they, you won't really get what we call as the health benefits uh, from, yeah. from those levels. And so you were correct that, you know, what we what we figured out was that we could short circuit the sort of uh, natural conversion and the imprecise and natural conversion and give calibrated supplementation. And that's how we came about urethane. Beautiful. Okay. So, and you know what, you know, one of the many things I love about your company is the focus on human research. I mean, everybody's yeah. running around with a lot of research on cute little critters with, you know, long tails, little whiskers and cute ears, um, yeah. but not, not that many companies make the leap in the investment into human research. But so let's talk a little bit about what does urethane do exactly for mitochondria? So, there are a number of ways in which you can improve mitochondrial health, right? So you have your healthy pool of mitochondria, so you can grow that pool. And that's what uh, in the field we call is biogenesis. Uh, so that means you're just growing newer, newer mitochondria, younger, healthier mitochondria. And then the second way in which you can improve uh, mitochondrial health is you take your current pool of healthy mitochondria and you get them working more efficiently. So that now they're producing more energy and, and there are various nutrients that do both biogenesis and uh, sort of make mitochondria more efficient. There are things like NAD boosters for biogenesis. There are things like CoQ10 um, and L-carnitine to make your mitochondria more efficient. But, but mitochondria are always in a flux between sort of the good and the bad mitochondria. And there's always what we call as a sort of a very delicate balance. Now, what happens if you get injured or with aging or with sort of being overweight or stressed, isn't that you, your, your poor faulty mitochondria get higher in number inside your cell. And so unless you clean that waste or the poor mitochondria, uh, you're not going to have an optimal uh, sort of energy state. And that's what we found your A does is that it activates this very well-conserved process we call as mitophagy, uh, which really means as eating up, uh, it's like an autophagy, but autophagy of the mitochondria, which means now you take these crummy, faulty mitochondria and put them in a garbage bin, and now they become sort of building blocks of newer healthy mitochondria. So it's basically like you think of your garbage disposal machinery in your house, right? If you're not cleaning out your waste, your house is not going to smell right. So what we saw basically when we discovered this compound, you pointed out a lot of people just you know, don't do the hard uh, clinical research. We actually ran a number of uh, randomized clinical trials over a good part of seven, eight years in different populations in older adults where you, you expect mitochondria to be declining in overweight, middle-aged, 50-year-olds. Uh, we're all sort of healthy, but, you know, on the fast trajectory to, towards sarcopenia and frailty down, you know, in their 70s and 80s. And what we saw was that just by activating mitophagy, you would get these really profound benefits on muscle performance. So these people in the absence of exercise or even a change in the diet were experiencing better leg strength, muscle strength, and, and some of the older adults had higher resistance to fatigue, which meant they could just, you know, go about doing their daily activities 20% longer. Yeah. And so that's some of the research that led us to, you know, launching the products eventually. Yeah. And then we'll talk about the products at the end because you get, you have such great options in these products. There's literally no excuse not to use them. <laughs> like, I mean, aside from the investment, but at the same time, you know, if you can go down to a cellular level and affect your energy from the very place that your energy comes from, I think it's, it's an, it should be a very easy equation in in the brain. And what's, what, what I think, you know, we were talking about before the podcast you started with research in muscle probably because, first of all, muscle is very, very densely populated by mitochondria, but it's also easier to show a benefit, right? Like you you, you were supplementing, you were helping people to supplement with MitoPure for a period of time, and then you can measure their exercise output before MitoPure and after. But as we were talking about before the episode, and this is really where your research is going, which is so exciting, 
is there are the other parts of the body that are filled with mitochondria being the heart for cardiovascular health, the brain for cognitive health. Like it's, you know, I've, I've always said, I'm, I remember thinking, okay, so mitopure muscles, that's really great, but does it actually select mitochondria in the muscles or is it affecting the mitochondria in the whole body? And as it turns out, it's just a process of how much research can you do at one time so that you can look at different systems. <laughs> no, 200%. Uh... Correct. Uh, we, we started with muscles because in clinical setting, it's much easier to tease out the signal of e efficacy. Um, just from a sort of a historical perspective, the company initially had focused on, on sort of focusing on, on brain health. But, you know, I think w when we started to, to see all these trials uh, in, in sort of even uh, neurodegeneration neurodegeneration and stuff, the endpoints are very tough to tease out and how you go about uh, selecting uh, so the muscle is, is, as you said, is clearly the most metabolic organ that we have. Mm. It's the highest producer of uh, the energy currency ATP, but it's also the highest consumer of a ATP because we just, you know, the moment you get up from a chair, you're consuming energy. The moment you climb stairs, you're consuming energy, right? So we went after that uh, because basically there are a number of readouts, there are a number of clinical research tools available. You put people on a... Uh, cycle ergometer or a treadmill or you make them run uh, a, a race or you do a, a walk test so there's so many tools to, to to look at the efficacy and so that's one of the reasons why we started with the muscle space and it's such a key longevity organ that impacts our health span and how we behave yeah. when we are 70 and 80. For sure. And the other you, the other cool thing about your research and and what's come out of it, and we're going to talk about it in some of these new studies you have coming out, is that you're looking at the elite athlete, but you're also looking at the aged population. Like you're looking at both ends of the spectrum, right? You're looking at your elite performers. Can this be helpful for them? And at the same time, you're also looking at, you know, a healthy person who might have had a car accident and is bed bound or an elderly person, as you were talking about earlier, I mean, you know, one of the big things for elderly people is keeping them moving so that they can maintain their lean mass, never mind their quality of life. And so you have something here that addresses every one of those populations in its own way, which I think is like it's super exciting, right? So so the good news is this podcast comes out at the end of June. You have new results that are coming out next week. So we get to talk about them during the recording and not steal anybody's thunder. <laughs> So maybe we want to talk about that. This is this is this is the elite athlete and overtraining study, right? Yeah. So uh, we have two published studies that uh, randomized trials: one in older adults, as I mentioned, uh, and the second one in fifty-year-old, uh, sort of healthy but sedentary population, both showing impacts on muscle performance. And then the question was: Well, would this work in an elite population of uh, individuals, athletic individuals? which presumably are in the peak of the muscle performance, right? So if this was a curve of muscle health as you decline, the elites are right up there, even if, you know, maybe probably at the peak of human performance. And uh, we would have not thought about it until one of the leading researchers read our initial work and said, came to us saying, well, I think a lot of these elite athletes are inflamed and, and they the mitochondria, because if they train so much, the overtraining impacts mitochondrial dysfunction. And so we said, and she actually published with a group uh, this work uh, in a very high impact journal. And we said, well, let's, do we want to try it in these elite? Uh, so we went after, and there's certain challenges with working with elite athletes, as you can imagine. If, if you say compared to a 50 year old, I want a piece of your muscle th to study yeah, it. You're not getting a biopsy, piece of my muscle. <laughs> you're like, oh, we have Olympics uh, <laughs> coming yeah. in two months. You're not, you're not, you're not going to get it. But and then we did this during the peak of uh, COVID between 2021. So it took a while uh, to try and convince. But this was a beautifully designed study. It was actually done in Australia with one of the leading sports researchers. Been spent four decades studying uh, how elite athletes and respond to different nutrients and diets. And it's Professor Louis Burke in uh, the Australian Institute of Sport. And she basically. Uh, proposed a study in elite uh, middle distance runners where some of them were even training for Olympics uh, last year. And, and the whole idea was to bring them at a pre-training camp, uh, give them all the same exercise training conditions, give them all the, there was actually a chef that went through the whole month with the set of uh, elite athletes. They all ate the same thing. They all did the same wow. exercise training. 
And then one group got a placebo, one group got a, got a MitoPure uh, of a thousand milligram. And the goal was, you know, over time as they train, uh, it's known that their body uh, adapts. So, you know, they're just imagine their VO2 max, which is a basically a, a, an indicator of aerobic capacity. These guys are at 65 VO2 max. Now, this is almost at an insane level of VO2 yeah. aerobic capacity. And by the end, they expect to have a 1%, 2% benefit, which basically is the dis difference between somebody coming last yeah. in a, you know, 1,500-meter hmm. race in the Olympics versus winning the gold. Uh, that 1% is, is absolutely key for them. And so we did this study, and the second main goal was recovery. Uh, their muscles get damaged, they become inflamed, and, and so the whole idea was could we see a benefit there? And so what we see basically, uh, as and this is really top-line data, so we have to dig a bit more into the data, is there's a profound benefit of mitopure intake on recovery. So uh, the muscle is looking less inflamed, the muscle, so things like uh, C-reactive protein, uh, which we have also observed in other trials, we see in elite athletes that uh, it's down by, by significantly down by almost 20, 30% in these athletes. Wow. And then there's a marker of muscle damage called creatine kinase. This is uh, whenever muscle gets damaged, whether it's the hard muscle or the, the skeletal muscle, creatine kinase will just peak in your blood um, and you can measure that. And so we saw even a similar magnitude effect on lowering creatine kinase, meaning the muscle is less damaged with mitopure supplementation. And then what most of these athletes do, whether it's running or cycling or soccer or basketball, is there's a very standardized questionnaire given called ratings of perceived exertion. So we gave yeah. that to these athletes, it's called the RP score, and it's rating of about from six to 20, and 20 being the most severe exertion they felt. These athletes in mitopure compared to placebo, we saw that they, they felt less less exertion after an intense high training race, uh, like an Olympic competition. So all these pointers are towards um, mitochondria being absolutely key in recovery in, in elite performance. And, and so on the performance side, we, we are seeing these uh, gains of 1%, 2%, but it's really the recovery uh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, that is having a big impact. Yeah. And I would imagine over time, you might even see things like less propensity for injury, because if you're not as inflamed, if you're recovering better, if your mitochondria are working better, maybe, you know, you're less fatigued, you just might be less likely to sustain an injury. I mean, it's, you know, it's, we're starting to stretch a little further, but if we think about the logical downstream effects of reduced inflammation and improved recovery, it's going to be all that and being able to train harder so that you get better results down the road. Yeah. And so that's another trial we are currently doing is looking at the injured sort of young athlete who gets injured. The way we do it is, in a, is a bit of a, uh, intense uh, clinical trial setting where we put a knee brace uh, on these young athletic people. Now, it's like a, a, a cast that is put if you get a fracture, right? So you put this on for three weeks and that induces uh, mitochondrial decline and muscle wasting. And so we are starting to study that. But I agree with you. I think this would work great for this sort of uh, injury-prone, aging athlete, uh, or just any athlete that has a propensity to not recover well. Yeah, and I and also, I mean, you know, if we look at the athlete population, but then we look at Joe Blow down, down the street, whether it's your weekend warrior or someone who just doesn't get to the gym enough, yeah. even a sedentary person, ultimately those senescent mitochondria. I mean, I imagine we're getting rid of senescent mitochondria. Mm -hmm. which are, you know, sitting there being, I think it's Sandy Kaufman who calls them, Dr. Kaufman, who calls them grumpy old men. You know, they just mm -hmm. sit there. They don't really do their job. They grump on everybody else. They convince other people to be grumpy. <laughs> like it's just, it's this expanding circle of negativity. But in your sedentary population, if you can kind of clean that out and replace it with better mitochondria, maybe we can help them to feel a bit better so that they move a bit more. And, and, you know, it's one of the things that I love about MitoPure as a, as a, as a molecule. And I'm sure that's part of why your, your research is so wide ranging is that it has applications in every single population. And mm -hmm. so now let's, and I know you've got other studies coming down the pipes. You've got one in a hospital setting. So again, you've got someone who's injured, they're recovering, they're they're They can't move They're you know, and that'll come down the pipes down the road. So we're not, I don't think we need to talk about that too much, but I really want to move over to another area of focus, which is so important and pertinent, particularly when it comes to aging and 
living mm-hmm. well, and that's immune health. And so sure. maybe let's talk a little bit about how does MitoPure or even mitochondria come into play when sure. immune health? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, post-COVID, uh, we are all now more aware of the role of uh, immune health, uh, you know, in, in sort of uh, leading a healthy and long life. Uh, and, and, and so immune cells, uh, much like your muscle cells or brain cells or your heart cells, have a lot of mitochondria. Uh, they have a very high metabolic demand too, and they rely. Um, and, and you have the immune system is is basically a, a two-prong defense mechanism, right? One is what we call innate immunity. So this is when you get injured or when you sort of first see a, a virus or bacteria. The first sort of defense mechanism that's innate immunity, and then there's what we call adaptive immunity. This is what we call as T cells and B cells that basically learn and adapt over time uh, to fight uh, infections and and basically uh, make your immune system strong. So what we are seeing basically uh, come out, and we had already some evidence from our trials showing that we were having an effect on inflammation per se, but now there's more research coming out that as we age, uh, uh, there's a certain pool of immune cells that we call as stem cell memory cells. So these are Mm. sort of these uh, uh, young uh, youthful immune cells that are always hiding and leading to sort of newer immune cells uh, that fight infections. And that those that population declines with aging. So these sort of uh, superhero, supercharged T cells that we call as stem cell memory cells, they, they kind of decline. And that's why when you're in your 60s, none of the vaccines don't work, right? So you go and get your flu shot or even now COVID shot, you get a 15% response. And so how can you rev up these uh, uh, memories, immune cells is, is the absolute key. And a fascinating, our collaborators showed that basically the defect lies this, that mitophagy slows down in, in these memory hmm. uh, T cells. And, and when mitophagy declines, your immune system becomes weak. It can fight off infections. It can fight off cancer. And so what they did was, this is a group uh, we worked um, where a lot of big immune discoveries made in Germany. They they supplemented in different settings with urolitin A, and they found that urolitin A or mitopure basically revved up these supercharged uh, memory T cells wow. to uh, an amazing potential. And now they just revved up the whole immune system uh, at a sort of a cascade response, and that led to clearance of cancer, clearance of you know better immune responses. And so now we are running a lot of trials, but now um, uh, on the immune system. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Profound Health, one of my favorite places to get both oral bioregulators and some of the most advanced anti-aging formulas on the market. Profound-health.com is where you would go. Now, bioregulator peptides, at the time of this recording, the oral ones are a little bit hard to get your hands on. However, Profound Health has a beautiful selection of the synthetic bioregulator peptides that you can use by sublingual spray. They are fantastic. They've got a whole selection of them. They work really, really well. And on top of that, like I said, if you go digging on that website, they have some beautiful anti-aging supplements that some of which I've never seen anywhere else. So to check it out, just go to profound-health.com and use discount code LONGEVITY15 on your first order to save 15%. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. That is so exciting. I mean, on the one hand, as you're saying it, it's like, no kidding, right? I mean, if we're going to improve mitochondria in the whole system, it's going to, it should affect mitochondria in the immune system. But how how incredible that you're able to show that you basically upregulate immune function by supporting mitochondria, like, as far upstream as you can possibly go. Like that's, that's super exciting. So basically now you're saying you, you have a new, you have new studies coming down the pipes in humans studying pure, like mitochondrial health and immune function. Yeah. So we have two studies. One, we are working in, in just the average healthy Joe, right? Like you and me, like, what is the effect on, uh, on the immune system? If you're on mitopure for a certain amount of time, and so we have actually started one of the biggest uh, uh, projects in the field of immune health. And this is uh, with the Buck Institute of Aging, Eric Wardan there is, is, is on the project. We have the German group of, uh, that I was mentioning of Professor Gretten. And, and we are basically looking at every single immune population and how their mitochondrial health changes 
over time with on mitopure. And so if your mitochondria are happy in your immune cells, your immune system will be happy. And that's really the kind of uh, message and results that we want to get out of uh, this study. The second study is more relevant to, for example, uh, folks uh, who have just beat cancer, for example. Uh, mm. This is the post, uh, post-cancer post population. A lot of people, uh, when they're diagnosed with uh, cancer, they, they're given what we call as chemoradiotherapy, which is basically neoadjuvant therapy. And that kills not only the cancer cells, but it also kills uh, some of the healthy, well, actually a lot of the healthy immune cells as well. And so the hope is that by giving MitoPure uh, in this population that has just beat cancer, you can rev up these uh, memory-like uh, immune cells, and now they just receive the immune system better because that a big uh, population of cancer patients who beat cancer, they suffer from infections down the road, mm-hmm. relapse of the cancer. And so the idea is that uh, modulating the mitochondria there would help. And so we've just won a big million-dollar grant to work with one of the top oncologists here. That's amazing. That's fantastic. So in your in the study in the work that you've done so far on immunity, how long are people using the product? Like how long is it taking before you're starting to see the benefit? And is it at the 500 milligram dose or is that the one gram dose a day? Yeah, so well, we actually asked the same question you asked as well mitochondria are not just in the muscle. So we had done these studies earlier on that we published in muscle. But we had banked the immune cells, so we had actually, you know, taken oh, so muscle you had biopsies. some data. Nice. <laughs> so we had the. So we already had the uh, immune cells is just a simple blood draw versus taking a, a biopsy and studying the muscle uh, signature of, of how mitochondria. So we went back and we actually asked the same question: what, What's happening at the same time in muscle? What's happening in the immune cells, mitochondria? It, uh, and this was the study we had published before in the 60, 70 year olds. And we looked at the, and we saw the exact same signature that we were seeing in muscle uh, wow. mitochondrial health. So we saw improved energy pathways. We saw improved uh, uh, sort of uh, immune health pathways. And so it was really a deja vu moment. We were like, okay, we focused so long on muscle, but like you know, there are mitochondria that are getting <laughs> affected uh, all over. And and the thing with immune cells is much easier to run trials because you just bleed. The, few times and yeah. study the immune system. So it makes somebody like me, a trialist, uh, for <laughs> job very easy. So it takes about a month to start seeing the same biological signature that we see at muscle. Okay. And, I, and, I, and I think uh, in, in a couple of months, you have a very robust uh, immune system. So we're actually working on an immune health boosting product now. That's amazing. And so, you know, some of your studies, you're using one gram of one gram yeah, of, I, of, of product of mitopure of urolithin A, which is about double the daily dose that you're delivering in most of your products. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, does that at 500 milligrams, which is the typical dose that people would use, mm-hmm. is it mm-hmm. just going to take a little bit longer to see the benefits? Do you think? Yeah. Is it yeah. a, so a point of time? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't answer that before. But yes. So so 500 milligram uh, is where we start seeing uh, the signature uh, at the mitochondrial level and and about a month's time and in two months, we start seeing the benefits on on the muscle. That's the published work we have. The gram dose, uh, we start seeing benefits a bit earlier and a bit more robust. Okay. Okay. So it it really boils down to where you think your your how fit you are or, or, you know, that's why we started offering even the test uh, sort of because if you're already is producing little bits from your diet with your litin A, 500 makes more sense to be on for a longer time. If your body, uh, personally, I can share that my body never, I've tested myself a number of times. I eat well, but my body refuses to make your litin A. <laughs> so I, I, I always take a gram. And, and yeah. then if you feel fit, then you can always taper down also to, to, to 500 milligram eventually. But the immune effect is is very robust at a gram. Uh, at a gram, we, yeah. yeah. So we, you we could see. you could imagine people saying, "Okay, well, flu season is coming. I'm going to up my dose." And now it's summertime. I'm eating more fruit. I'm doing. I'm outside more. Blah blah blah. I might taper down to 500 milligrams for a while and then bump it up again. Like you, you could basically play with your dose. Or if you're going through a heavy training period, ramp up yeah, your dose exactly. during that heavy training period. You're mm-hmm. in more of a recovery. So it allows people the ability to kind of ebb and flow with their dosage. I totally agree. I, I mean, think of this as vitamin C of aging, right? I mean, a yeah. lot of people take 
about a gram uh, of vitamin C without really knowing how much of it is absorbed or how much <laughs> your body really needs it. We just take it because you know, yeah. we, 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 it's in our sort of psychology that vitamin C is good to, to, for, for your immune system or even zinc, for example, is good for your immune system. And, and so here we have a clear mechanism of action, which is by revving up your yeah, immune cells metabolism and mitochondrial health. And now they have more energy to sort of turbocharge and fight infection. So, uh, and the dose we are testing is basically a gram in a lot of these trials because that's where we have seen a very robust immune health signature. Well, and you're also going to see results faster, right? So in a trial, time is not on your side. You need to, you know, you don't have time to sit there for a year and wait for things to to, to show up. And I think the other area of research that's going to be very interesting that you talked about, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, we see, where do we see the biggest concentration of mitochondria? Skeletal muscle, the first place you started, which was the most obvious, but then the heart muscle and then the brain, right? Yeah. And then in cognitive health, like, you know, you have trials coming down the pipes there, and that's going to be so exciting. And obviously, hopefully, you don't have to biopsy people's brains. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, and yeah, so, you know, we are, again, a small company that has this is very deep-rooted in science, but you can only go one benefit after another. To, For sure. To, you know, research is two words, re and search. So you, you can you always have to get back to the drawing board and say, okay, we've proven the effect on muscles. Where's, as you said, where's more mitochondria? Heart, let's look at the heart. Uh, and, and then now that people are reading the promise of this molecule, a lot of them are doing their own studies. Uh, so uh, we had a, a, actually multiple groups reach out to us saying, well, we've been starting to look at uh, cognitive decline with aging and, and in, in, in sort of uh, looking at cells from uh, older adults who have this cognitive decline, we are seeing that mitochondria are greatly compromised. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we have run a whole series of tests and we think your molecule has a lot of promise because, and, and actually the group at National Institute of Aging published that in a lot of Alzheimer's uh, and other sort of neurodegenerative uh, conditions, mitophagy was, was the core um, you know, the reason why they were seeing this neurocognitive decline. And so I think that you'll, you'll start to see neuro, neuro trials or brain trials take a long time. You need yeah. to look at a year or two years even, and then you need to bring a lot of imaging modalities, not biopsies, but you need to rely on things like PET scan and a lot of um, questionnaires looking at people's memory recall and attention span. So that's an area of research we, we are kind of relying on partnering with really yeah. the top gurus rather than trying to do the heavy lifting ourselves. Uh, on the heart, we have some very promising data, um, uh, not clinical yet, so we are planning to do the clinical translation. But at the preclinical uh, level, we've been working with the University of Washington, and we've been bringing what we call as really uh, a visual way to look at mitochondrial health. And this you can do by looking at the heart uh, of these older animals through something called electron microscopy. You Mm -hmm. can really nail down to a single individual mitochondria. And when you look at the mitochondria of the old animals, what you see is basically a whole circuitry that looks like basically a, a sunken mesh. So it's like you have wires around that kind of dictate energy uh, transfer inside of mitochondria, that whole, network is collapsed in the old uh, mitochondria in the heart. And when you are in mitopure, uh, when we put these uh, same sort of in an experimental condition on mitopure, these mitochondria starts looking like as if they were younger hearts. Wow, wow, wow. We are very excited about this research. Of course, uh, having said that, as you said, it's in in these uh, fuzzy, (laughs) uh, hairy animals uh, at stage, (laughs) but... but, uh, but we, we do think that's a lot of promise to translate it um, into, into humans, and we're going to do that. Yeah, no, that's incredible. All right, so as we're slowly winding down, we have two more topics we're going to cover. Yeah. And one of them is, hey, we also kind of want to look good. And so if we go to the Timeline Nutrition website, there's now skincare. And so... Talk to us a little bit about how MitoPure might affect skincare and how you're delivering it because you've got a, you've got serums and creams and the whole nine yards. What made you go there and what are you seeing? And tell us a little bit about that because, you know, looking good kind of helps. Nobody wants to yeah. finish kicking ass looking like a raisin. 
<laughs> no, great points. Uh, so there were two uh, reasons we went there. One, we are a longevity company, and, and every time I started showing the data, people would say, well, what would I feel? What would I feel, you know, after taking a product? Uh, I was like, well, you'll feel more energy. You'll feel less fatigue. But how do I, how do I see it? How do I know? And that actually seeded the idea in the head of a lot of our uh, scientific team and clinical team that, hey, what would people see as a consequence of aging the first thing they wake up in the morning or before they, well, it's your skin health, right? Everybody goes, looks up in the mirror and sees the impact of father time there uh, on their faces. And so we said, okay, well, let's look at the mitochondrial health in the skin. And we started studying skin uh, sort of uh, samples from younger versus older donors. And we saw that the mitochondria was uh, was actually very key. Skin cells have also a lot of mitochondria. Sure. And from the 20s, 30s, where skin is looking at probably at its peak to the 60s and 70s, there's a there's a drastic change in, uh, in the energy supply of the skin that results in sort of wrinkly, dry-looking skin that we all associate aging with. And, and that led to a lot of work and a lot of trials uh, trying to show. So the way we figured out that, well, orally probably you're getting some benefits, but uh, almost not all of it is going to make it its way from oral absorption to the skin. And so we delivered very calibrated uh, topical, we developed topical formulations. So we developed day creams, night creams, and serum that all have 1% of mitopure in it. And, and they all have other goodies like niacinamide and other good stuff that also help uh, skin health. And we ran a number of uh, randomized trials that we are about to publish. And we see great effects on sort of reducing wrinkles, boosting collagen, and, and really fighting skin inflammation, which every day as we step out in the sun, we, we, our skin is getting inflamed. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. One of the things you you mentioned before we started recording was showing that the, your skin products actually help to reverse some of the damage that we sustain on a day-to-day -day, day basis, like just even from this, from UV rays, yeah. which is, yeah. you know, reversing damage is a big deal. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can in 24 hours reverse the damage you sustain from the sun, let's say on one day when you spend too much time outside, mm -hmm. that's repair work. That's, that's actually easier repair work than waiting for the damage to accumulate and trying to reverse it down the road. Uh, absolutely. The way I see skin aging is basically a two-pronged um, sword, right? So you have what is I call as intrinsic aging. So that's basically your whole uh, cellular machinery at the skin level kind of declining. So your mitochondria are declining, your collagen sort of uh, that in the skin that keeps the, the skin uh, tight is declining. And, and then there's extrinsic aging. We're all going out in the sun. We all have the, the pollution of the cities we are living in. We're all being exposed to secondhand smoke, uh, et cetera, things like this. And that is really accelerating the skin aging process. So you do have things like retinol out there. So a lot of people use retinol-based creams to sort of tackle this intrinsic aging. But you can put retinol and go to the beach, you know. Uh, so what we did was two separate kind of trials, one looking at more long-term the effects on wrinkles, and second, as you mentioned, what if we uh, induce sort of a redness, sunburn damage on the skin and immediately applied a cream uh, with uh, MitoPure on the back? And in the end, it's really doing what we have seen before on the oral side. It's improving mitochondrial health and it's lowering inflammation. And these are the two biggest attributes of this molecule. Yeah, no. And, you know, the idea, so the, obviously the urolithin A molecule is it it can be absorbed transdermally into the cells, which is the other big question, right? Is like, mm -hmm. is and and I think what's interesting also, what you said earlier, you obviously are, you could get benefit from taking it orally, but I think that the body has a hierarchy of needs that it's going to fulfill, and the skin is not at the top. It's not going to beat. Do I need more energy in my muscle? Do I need more energy in my heart or my brain? Those guys are going to outrank you know, do I have skin wrinkles or is my skin showing up with sun damage? So, you know, it's this really interesting idea of going at it from the outside and then the inside is, you know, stacking the two is pretty magical. And you had said also that people are can see some visible results after as little as a, a couple of months. Yeah. So we, we did this time course uh, study with, you know, participants who are putting a uh, either placebo cream or, or, or mitopure cream uh, over time, two, four, eight weeks. 
we start seeing effects almost, uh, mitophagy is a very quick process. So mm-hmm. in about a couple of weeks, uh, you, you start seeing impacts uh, at a certain level uh, on improving skin health. And then if you're looking long-term eight weeks, people in, there's very sophisticated ways to look at like wrinkle formation. So we have all this uh, photo instrumentation, taking pictures of, of the participants, and we can really see about a 15% reduction in wrinkles. Uh, for example, skin is better hydrated, um, skin barrier, which we always look at as call as the skin elasticity. So yeah, happening in sort of the four, eight week timeframe. That's amazing. That's pretty fast. I mean, you when you, we were talking, you said, yeah, well, it takes a while. And I'm thinking you were going to say six months. I'm thinking 48 weeks is a, is a pretty, four to eight weeks is a pretty reasonable window to start seeing some benefits. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the whole skin space, a lot of people get fillers to immediately want, who want to sort of get the immediate, uh, you know, wrinkle lowering or they use retinol, which is about two to three months or six months to see effects. I think here you have a very safe natural solution um, compared to retinol, which also works at countering extrinsic aging. So in my mind, that that's sort of uh, where we are positioning this as. Yeah, no, big win, big win. Okay, so as we wind down our last topic of the day, whenever a molecule like urolithin A hits the market and you know is showing so many benefits, we now start to all of a sudden, certainly in my communities, I get people going, oh, wow, look, I just found like a huge bag of urolithin A for 10 bucks. Why would I spend all this money on timeline? You know, and- I'm just sitting there going, well, I'm going to ask you, where are you finding your $10? <laughs> and so the copycats start to come out of the woodwork. Yeah. And so I just thought we might bring that up a little bit because it's an issue in the industry with almost any molecule, right? Sure. And trying to understand what you're actually getting and is it actually going to be safe and efficacious is I think it's a big issue. So, I mean, there's there's the issue of supporting the companies that are doing the research, making the investment, doing all the work, but at the same time, what are you truly getting? So, I don't know if you've ha- if you guys have looked at all at some of these other cheaper alternatives that seem to be popping up like mushrooms. Sure. No, I, I mean, it's, you, you're bringing a very important point for the whole industry. You know, as a company that has put 15 years of research behind before believing that the data exists to to go ahead and you know launch the products that would benefit a lot of people uh and, and once the the uptake in the market a lot of there are these me too companies that see oh this is becoming a hot molecule let's uh, uh make our own version and, and source it from uh, who knows where maybe in china or other places and, and start selling it a bit lower cost i think the the issue there with it is a, the, there is no GMP, uh, sort of good manufacturing uh, practices being followed. Uh, we rely and we work with the best American and European uh, sort of groups in the world that have almost sort of the highest quality of GMP uh, in manufacturing units uh, that, uh, for example, an FDA would audit very regularly. Um, and, and then we have got, gotten and done the hard yard of taking the urolithin that is manufactured here through safety and toxicology and really looking to make sure it's, you know, 99.99% pure and has no impurities, et cetera. And that's the one version we have gone and got a designation that in the U.S. we call as grass on. So that's the designation of generally regarded as safe uh, molecule that allows us to put it in food and, and, and dietary supplements. Now you have these companies that are obviously don't have a grass, uh, Urolithin uh, A. They are obviously not characterizing urolithin uh, A uh, purity or the impurities very well, and it's basically not clinically tested as well for safety and efficacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what we have done and what we are doing is basically trying to order some of these different suppliers, and and we know other groups uh, in academia that are looking at the whole industry, just not urolithin A, but you know, you mentioned spermidine or NAD boosters. And basically, there's a lot of, honestly, I don't like to use the word, but it's really crap, you know. Uh, yeah. the, the purity of that they're claiming is 98, 99%, turns out it's even 40%. Uh, so people think they're getting something probably 20 bucks cheaper, but they're also getting 
something very impure and and that is very poorly characterized for quality. Right. And so, you know, in a best case scenario, it doesn't work. In a worst case scenario, you don't know what you're using. So yeah. it's um, it's tricky. And, and, you know, as we were talking about with spermidine, even the issue of the molecule of the synthetic spermidine being only two-dimensional versus the food-grade molecule, which is three-dimensional and not mm. and having any research at all on how that 2D molecule acts on humans. And then you get the double whammy of now these guys saying, look, this is super cheap. We're going to give you 10 milligrams instead of the two milligrams that you're getting from the other guys. Yeah. And so now you're like five times the dose with something that you don't actually know what it's doing is you're rolling the dice. Anyway, I, I just yeah. think, it, you know, I think it's an interesting discussion, this whole discussion of copycats, because yeah. it's going to happen, but it really then falls back on the individual. And even in some ways, as you said, the industry to take a look at this stuff and say, what are people really getting? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, anyway, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of your products. As you know, I can't decide what my favorite is. There's the whey protein shake, which is like my favorite whey protein shake. There's the ginger powder, which I think is like, I put that in yogurt. It's the best. Then there's the berry powder. And then when I'm traveling, I'm popping the capsules. So it's um, you've really done the work to make it as accessible to people as possible, no matter what their situation yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, good science should be accessible and should really fit in different aspects of your daily life. Right. So that's uh, has been um, just not a launch a pill because 60 percent of the population likes to pop pills, but provide you with uh, with, you know, in the morning when you wake up, if you like taking smoothies and shakes, you can blend your your. Uh, morning dose with that kind of a format and mix and match if you want to. Yeah, no, I'm it's, I love it. It's fantastic. Okay. So where can people find you? Sure. <laughs> where can they learn yeah. more? There's great stuff on your website. So yeah, yeah I, I, I invite uh, your audience to take a look at timelinenutrition.com. That's where a lot of our uh, products uh, and the science and the studies that have gone behind it are there. Uh, but also if they want to go and learn more on the, uh, actual science and research, they can go to mitopure.com. And that's where uh, we have a lot of uh, background on all the research. And if they want to understand how the molecule works, they can access that website. Amazing. And uh, I believe that you've generously offered a code for the audience of NAT10, and that will save them some a little bit of money on any order that they place. So yeah. Dr. Singh, thank you so much for your time today again. This has been a great conversation. I can't wait till the next one when you get your new, your next batch of research. But this, in the meantime, is super exciting and a beautiful evolution in even just a year of information. Yeah, always a pleasure to be on your podcast, Nat. Pleasure. Happy to be back next year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly or if you'd like to leave any comments or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application, just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.